0: Glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Well, let me let me go over again some of the terms that God uses in the Scriptures to liken uh, the church to, and I want to go over these again so you can be thinking about them and take them home with you and study them yourself. Uh, because we're not going to cover them all. We've got three nights left of this, and we're not going to get all these. We said this morning God likens a church or the church, his church, to a building. And, of course, the uh, in, important thing we want to think about the building is its foundation, which is Jesus Christ. He likens it to a flock of sheep. And it's it's very important that the flock of sheep learn about and follow the shepherd. It, he names it a husbandry. And husbandry has to do with fruitfulness. He likens it to a body. And of course, concerning the body, we think of the function of the body. He likens it to a family. And family, we think of fellowship. Uh, he likens it to an assembly. And we want to associate the assembly with a fixed location. God has a local, visible church. Amen. Uh, he, he likens it to a rescue unit he doesn't call it that but he tells us we are to be busy about plucking men out of the fire and there we need to have a fervency in trying to reach people with the gospel he likens it in revelation to a candlestick those seven churches and those seven golden candlesticks and there of course the candlestick needs fuel and it needs to be burning have a fire have a flame and then he likens us to good soldiers, a fighting force, amen. We're to contend for the faith once delivered unto the saint. We're to have put on the whole armor of God. Therefore, we're to be fit, we're to be free from the entanglements of this life, and we are to fight, amen. But tonight I want us to look at his likeness of the church to a bride, a bride. And I want us to think about the bride and her faithfulness the bride, and her faithfulness. In Revelation chapter 19, we will read here uh, down through about verse 10 uh, or 9. And if you want to stand one more time, uh, I don't know if you're used to doing this all the time. I can't remember. I'm so many places. I don't remember what does what anymore. But if you want to stand, we'll read, give you a chance, to stretch your legs one more time. Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven, saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up. Forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying hallelujah for the lord god omnipotent reigneth let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints and he saith unto me right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the lamb and he saith unto me these are the true sayings of god and i fell at his feet to worship him and he said unto me see thou do it not i am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of jesus worship god for the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I want you to notice the Bible says in verse seven, and let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. If you know anything about your Bible, you know the Lamb there is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the Lamb of God. But if we, start, if we look a little further in our Bible, we'll find that his wife, his wife is the church of the living God, the born-again, blood-washed saints of God that are going to be raptured out of this earth one day, maybe tonight. We're going to be called up to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to attend the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. Why would you have a marriage supper? Because there's going to be a wedding. Amen. Now, I want us to consider this matter of the church being the bride of Christ tonight. The bride of Christ. And I believe we can see and we'll look at some more scripture to make that very clear. Let's pray. And we want to think about the characteristic of the bride, that of being faithful, a faithful bride. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, again tonight for this opportunity. To be here with your people. And dear God, we pray that you bless now thy word as it goes forth this evening. Lord, we confess we need you tonight. Lord God, if we were uh, to have to give an account right at this moment for our faithfulness to you, we'd have to confess we have failed many, many times. But I'm glad you're faithful tonight. And Lord God, we ask you to forgive us and cleanse us where we have sinned and failed you. And Lord, ask you to cleanse us tonight, empower us, use us. And Lord, speak to our hearts. And Lord, I pray that if there be someone among us not saved, that tonight be the night they'd receive you as their Savior. But Lord, I pray that you'd stir up our hearts as your people and give us even a greater desire than we've ever had to be faithful unto thee, our Bridegroom. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Just before we leave the book of Revelation here for a moment, I want to go down and want you to look at Revelation chapter 19 again in verse 11. Verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Now, if you understand the book of Revelation, you realize that the church has been raptured, I believe, in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. At that time, after the rapture of the church, I believe the tribulation period begins on the earth. Now we're nearing the end of the tribulation period, and Jesus is about to saddle his horse, and he's about to come up as a conquering king and set up his kingdom on the earth and destroy the kingdoms of this world. And we're going to read that here. We're not going to read it, but that's what we're about to read. Uh, between the rapture of the church and the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ that coming back to the earth, you have somewhere sandwiched in there the marriage supper of the Lamb. There is going to be a wedding. You say, what does that mean? I don't understand all of it, but I'm glad I'm going to be in on it. Amen. 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 But I want you to know, this is verse 11, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And him that sat upon him, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. We're not going to read the rest of this. I'm sure most of you are familiar with it. But you notice that he is called faithful and true. That's going to be on this white horse. That's capitalized. That is the names God gives to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted to throw that in here because I want us to see that the Lamb... Uh, that is going to be at that wedding uh, is called faithful. His name is faithful. I'm glad tonight that I have a faithful Savior. Aren't you? Now I want to keep that thought in mind. And if you will, I want you to go to Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, and we'll begin in verse one. The Apostle Paul. Under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, of course, is addressing the church at Corinth. If you know anything about the church at Corinth, the church at Corinth was a mess. Amen. First Corinthians, it was really a mess. Thank God, uh, things got, began to get straightened up in Second Corinthians. But the Corinthian church was a mess. It had allowed the world to creep in and so on and it had to be addressed. But notice, if you will, in chapter 11, verse 1, God, Paul said, would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me. Now he's addressing the people of God. For I am jealous over you. With godly jealousy. Notice here, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Notice that. Paul said to the church here, he said, I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, Paul is addressing the church as a woman that would be espoused, or the term we would use today would be engaged to one husband and his desire is that he would present that church uh, to Jesus Christ uh, in an engagement or an espousal and present her as a chaste virgin. That means that church must be faithful. Amen. She must be a faithful spouse bride if you please. Now hold that thought because I believe again that strengthens the fact that God likens the church to the bride of Christ. Notice if you will back in Matthew chapter 1 I want us to look at something I believe is very precious here. Matthew chapter 1 I love to read this passage of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 1, normally we don't read this till about Christmas time. But I want us to notice something here. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. They have promised themselves to one another for future marriage. Amen? Everybody understand that? It's like two people being engaged today. And Mary was espoused uh, to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Now, why is that? What's Joseph thinking? He's engaged his spouse to this young girl named Mary. Uh, She claims to be a chaste virgin. And now he's got word that she's carrying a child. He knows it's not his child. Now he's got to decide what to do with her. The law of Moses gave him some options. And he's considering those options. But I believe that Joseph loved her in spite of the fact it looks like she has been unfaithful to him. Amen. But the Bible said he was being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, and he could have made her a public example. He was minded to put her away privately, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David... Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You know the rest of the story. I've said I believe Joseph was a man of tremendous faith. Amen. He believed God at this point. But the point I want to make here is that God spoke to Joseph in a dream when Joseph was considering the fact that the woman he was espoused to, who he had promised himself to, she had promised herself to him, that it looks like she has been unfaithful. And God said, No, Joseph, she has been faithful to you. It was absolutely important to Joseph that Mary was faithful to him. Even in this espousal period. Have you ever known of anybody who was engaged to be married to somebody else and they found out that the one that they were engaged to was unfaithful to them before they got to the marriage altar? Can you think of anything more more pathetic and more sad and maybe even more sickening than to think The two people that have promised themselves to one another, saying, I love you, you love me, and we want to spend our lives together, and in a future date, here in the future, we are going to unite as one and become one in holy matrimony, and in the process of time, in that waiting period, one of them is unfaithful to the other. What a horrible thing that would be! Amen? Young person, if you were engaged to another person, would you want them to do that to you? Mom, Dad, would you want that to happen to your son or daughter? No, we would all say, no, no, how horrible, how horrible, what a horrible thing that would be. And it would be. It would be. But I want us to consider tonight that the church of the lord jesus christ is in an espousal period with the lord jesus christ the marriage of the lamb has not yet taken place amen may i suggest to you that the day you got saved you promised your hand in marriage to the son of god he took you and he made a promise to you thank god as a, as his bride that He was going to be faithful to you, that He was going to love you, and He was going to watch over you uh, and until that time of that wedding. And thank God that's going to happen when the rapture takes place. But do you realize that we became a part of the people of God that God calls the bride of Christ who one day is going to be the wife of the Lamb? I wonder if the Lord desires for us to be Faithful. As his future bride, look if you will in John chapter fourteen for a moment. John chapter fourteen. I'm going to read you something very familiar, but I believe this this these verses here uh, have reference to what we're talking about tonight. Jesus said, "Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God; believe also in me." In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now I'm told that the Jewish people that would have heard these statements that day would have understood Jesus would have been talking about a procedure uh, as far as a young man uh, in being engaged to his wife. And there would be a period of time when he would go back to his father's house to prepare a house for his bride. And when that house is complete and ready, then he would come back and call for his bride to come back to his house in the father's house. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. You want to know one of the things the Lord Jesus is doing today? He is preparing a place for His bride. Amen. That's what He said. He's preparing. He said, what is that? I don't fully comprehend all of it, but I'm going to live there. And he said, I will, and, and if I go and prepare, and by the way, did he go? He left. Has he come back yet? No, but he's going to. And he said, if, it, if, it, if I, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be. Also, that prospective bride would have trusted, she would have put her confidence and her faith in the one who said he loved her when he would go away for that period of time to prepare a place for her. He would promise her, make her a promise, when it's finished, when it's time, I will come back and take you back to my house, our house. Amen. He would have been faithful to his word, to his bride. How many of you believe tonight the Lord Jesus Christ is faithful to His Word? How many believe He's coming back? He said He's coming. What's He coming for? He's coming for His bride. And if you're part of the blood-washed children of God tonight, then He's coming for you. I want us to think just for a moment about the faithfulness of He whom we are espoused to, our bridegroom tonight. First Thessalonians five two says, "Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it." Second Thessalonians three three. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you. 2 Timothy two thirteen. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful; he cannot deny himself. Uh, Hebrews two seventeen. That he might be a merciful and faithful high. Priest, thank God for that. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful. That promise, 1 John one nine. if we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can go on and on. I'm glad, thank God tonight, our bridegroom, thank God, is faithful to us. And I believe tonight he's worthy of us being faithful to him. Don't you? Paul said, I want to present you to the Corinthian church. I want to present you. I want to espouse you to Christ as a faithful bride. Isn't that what he deserves? You know, one of the sad pictures in the Word of God in the Old Testament Is of the prophet Hosea. He married a wife. God told him to marry a wife. It was a woman of whoredoms. She was a harlot. And God's ways of things, doing things are different than our ways. But God told Hosea to go marry Gomer. That woman. An unfaithful woman. An immoral woman. An an adulterous woman and god did that because he wanted to use hosea in his marriage to gomer to show the children of israel a picture of them and their relationship to their god you see israel is the wife of god the church is the bride of christ and the israel was unfaithful uh, to her husband god as gomer was unfaithful to her husband Hosea and God wanted to see that picture but when you read the book of Hosea it's a sad, sad thing to see the unfaithfulness that Hosea had to put up with in Gomer, but thank God for the long the long suffering and the patience and the faithfulness of Hosea to his wife Gomer as God is unfaithfulness is an ugly thing is it not? unfaithfulness on the job is an ugly thing Unfaithfulness in, in in whatever duty we have is, is an ugly thing. But unfaithfulness in a love affair is a very, very ugly thing, is it not? I've confessed already in my prayer that I have not always been faithful to my Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you? Can anyone stand tonight and say there's never been a day in my life since I got saved that I've not been unfaithful to him? Boy, I'm glad he's faithful. I'm glad he's faithful when I'm not faithful. That does not excuse my unfaithfulness. That exalts his faithfulness. Amen. I'm glad he loves me when I'm unloving. I'm glad He loves me when I don't love Him like I should. I'm glad He loves me when I love the world and the things of the world. I'm glad He loves me when I love my own self more than I love Him. I'm glad He loves me when I'm loving my sin. He's faithful. But are we? Are we? One of these days we're going to be at the wedding i want to be found faithful there don't you and you know what he could come tonight i want you to go with me if you will to back to the revelation chapter 2 and i'll try to give you about five of these points real quick and you'll have the message tonight revelation my wife says don't ever say real quick it don't ever happen revelation chapter 2 reminds me the story I heard a while back, evangelist had come and preached a meeting at the church. And preached all week long. And, and uh, the last night of the meeting, he and the preacher stood at the door at the back and shaking people's hands as they went out. And uh, finally one of the men came and shook the evangelist's hand and he said, I just want you to know you preached too loud all week. Evangelist looked kind of stunned. Looked at the pastor. Pastor didn't pay a bit of attention. Man shook the pastor's hand, went on out. He went around the back of the church, came in the other door, went back up and got back in line again. Got back up to the evangelist and said, Shook the evangelist's hand, said, I just want you to know you preached too long all week. Evangelist looked again at the pastor. Pastor didn't blink an eye man shook the pastor's hand, went on out, got back in line again. Came back around, grabbed that evangelist's hand and said, I just want you to know this will be the last time you'll be preaching in this church. The evangelist looked at the pastor and the pastor said, Don't pay him no mind. He just repeats what he hears everybody else say. So if I preach too long, just don't repeat it to anybody. Amen. I want us to think about five things about faithfulness tonight. Just five simple things about faithfulness tonight. God, God said it's required in stewards that a man, man be found faithful. But what about in our love affair? Stewardship has to do with taking care of the goods of another. But what about our love affair with our Savior tonight? You reckon the Lord requires faithfulness? In the in the one he is espoused to tonight. You and I would. I believe it means much to the Lord. Revelation chapter two verse one look unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks? I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and hast and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, And repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Here's a church, a church at Ephesus, started by the Apostle Paul, later pastored, I believe, by Timothy. If you read the letter to the church of the Ephesians, Ephesus, uh, the book of Ephesians, you find this church was a great church a tremendous church, highly commended by the Apostle Paul. It was a very doctrinally sound church. It was an active church in trying to reach people with the gospel. It was a great church for the defense of the faith, the defense of the Word of God. It was willing to take a stand against that which was evil and that which was wrong. Uh, All those things... God said, I remember thy works, thy works, thy works. They were a busy church. They were a working church. They were faithful in all those things. But he said, I got somewhat against thee. Now this is his spouse bride he's talking to. Because thou hast left thy first love. Misquoted quoted many times. It doesn't say she lost her first love. She left her first love. And he tells her, he says, tells this church now, what you need to do is you need to repent. Remember from where thou hast fallen and repent and return. Back to that first love. You ever thought about that first love, what that is? If you've ever been in love, you've married, some of you have married, many of you are, you, you might do. remember about that first love. Amen? Fall in love with someone, uh you love to hear the sound of their voice. Isn't that true? Just love to hear the sound of their voice. My wife and I we used to call each other before we were married. I'd say, What you doing? She'd say, Oh nothing. What are you doing? Uh oh, nothing. A couple of minutes, a couple of seconds go by, well, what, what you been doing? nothing well you've been doing nothing that'd go on for 10 minutes I didn't care what she'd been doing I just liked hearing her voice now we've been married 47 years I call her up what you doing what does it matter where you been that's not true but it makes good preaching right There's something about hearing the voice of our beloved when we first got saved. Remember what it was like when you first got saved? I mean, you loved coming to the house of God. You loved loved hearing the preaching. You didn't know anything about the defense of the faith. You didn't know anything about soul winning. You didn't know anything about standing solid on doctrinal truths. You didn't know any doctrinal truths. All you knew was Jesus Christ and that you loved Him because He first loved you and gave Himself for you. And all you could think about was how much you loved Him because He loved you. And you loved hearing His voice. You loved sensing His presence. You loved being around other people that loved Him. Amen. It wasn't about activity. It was just about Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Remember that? Remember that? Jesus said, Now church, you've gotten real busy doing some real good things. And I commend you for all of them. But you've left your first love. You don't love me like you once did. I don't make your heart race like it used to. I don't put the smile on your face that I used to. I don't put the joy in your step that I used to. I don't put that tear in your eye that I used to. You've left your first love. Doesn't mean they were loving bad things. But you know what? By the time that this letter is written to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, some time has passed. From the time it was founded to the time that Paul, a few years after it was founded, wrote a letter back to them in the book of Ephesians, till now, there has been several years has passed. Several years. And because of a span of time, their love was not what it once was. You know what? We need to be careful. We need to be real careful. It's just like being married. You know what you have to do in a marriage? You want to keep things going Every now and then you gotta go back and rekindle that love. You gotta go back and, and, and go back and remember what it was like when you was first married and what you loved about her and what he, what you loved about him and you got to rekindle that love over and over and over again because time has a way of wearing it down. Isn't that right? And if we're not careful, we can get so busy doing good things for God that we allow Ourselves to leave that first love. Amen? I think revival is getting back to that first love again. Just loving Jesus because He's Jesus Christ. Loving Him just simply because He loved me. He offered me His hand in marriage. He offered to take care of me for eternity. Protect me, provide for me, love me, even when I'm unlovely. Isn't that wonderful? If we're going to be faithful as a bride of Christ, we need to we need to make sure that we keep a delight and a devotion not just to the work of God and the things of God, but to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. I don't know of a better way to do that. To communicate. When the writer of Proverbs said, My son, give me thine heart. The word right in the center of the word heart is ear. You want to develop a relationship with someone, listen to them. Listen. Give them your ear. Amen. And you let them have your ear. And and vice versa. How we need to realize we need this book over and over. We need to hear his voice. We need to hear his voice. We need to hear his voice. If we're going to be faithful, a faithful bride, uh, a spouse bride, we need to be diligent about our delight and devotion in Jesus Christ. Two-way communication. Listening him speak to me and me speaking back. To him, prayer. The basics of Christian living is Bible reading and prayer. How many of us tonight have been guilty of being unfaithful in those two areas? I promise you it will affect your love life with the Savior. Just like the pastor said this morning. So there's the matter of faithfulness requires a delight and a devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I want you to notice in Genesis chapter 39, I'm just going to take a few examples of faithfulness in people to draw out these simple truths tonight. In Genesis chapter 39, you have a young man by the name of Joseph. Don't you love the character of Joseph? Joseph. In Genesis 39 and verse 7, the Bible said, "...and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused. And said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand." There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Three cheers for Joseph. How many of you are glad Joseph did what he did? You know what Joseph is doing here? He is being faithful to his God. Amen. There's a woman that was unfaithful. What a picture and a type of the world. The world's not faithful to anything. And yet the world allures us and attracts us and tries to draw us away from our, the love we have for our Savior and the faithfulness we have to our Savior to the world itself. That's why the Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But I find here that faithfulness in Joseph required a duty of character in his life. There's character. Not only is there faith here, but there's character in his life. And if we're going to be faithful to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to have to perform the duty of character. Bob Jones Sr. said, listen, if it's right, just do right, do right, do right, do right, do right till the stars fall, and then do right! character need character in the face of temptation amen there's where it's at many times we are guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord because we fail in the matters of the temptations of this world and there are plenty of them amen the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life has an effect on every one of us. And I really doubt if there's anybody in this room tonight that can say, I've never been unfaithful in my love for Christ when it comes to the world tempting me. Or the flesh tempting me. Or my pride tempting me. But in spite of our unfaithfulness, as is a spouse bride... He remaineth faithful. He remaineth faithful. Boy, if we get a hold of that, we want to jump on 1 John 1 9. Because when we found that we've been unfaithful to Him and He's still faithful to us, then we want to flee to 1 John 1 9 if we confess our sins. He's faithful to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. His faithfulness makes us ashamed of our unfaithfulness. Amen. Faithfulness requires duty of character. It requires decisions of conviction. If we're going to be faithful, we've got to have some convictions about us. Daniel 1.8. The Bible said Daniel purposed in his heart. That he would not defile himself with the king's meat. Daniel had some convictions about him. Amen? You know what? If you're going to be faithful to God, if I'm going to be faithful to God, we've got to establish some convictions in our life, get to the Word of God, and allow the Holy Spirit of God to to form some convictions in our heart that are rock solid, that are unmovable, that would say, I would rather die! Than to avoid than to make void that conviction. Amen. We need some convictions in our lives. We don't just need beliefs. We don't just need beliefs. We need convictions. A belief is something you can take it or leave it. But a conviction is something you say, I'll stand there. I will not bow my knee to that that image. I will not bow. I won't even lean forward. I'll stand up as straight and as tall as I can. I want to make sure God knows who I love. Amen. We need some convictions about us. We want to be faithful to Him who has never failed us and has always been faithful. You've got to have some convictions. Faithfulness requires some decisions of conviction. I'm not talking about mom and dad's convictions. I'm talking about your own convictions. Amen, there's too many hobo Christians today running on the convictions of parents, running on the convictions of preachers, running on the convictions of their pastors, running on the convictions of their buddies, but they don't have any convictions of their own. You will not remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, faithfulness, I believe, can be seen not only in our affection, but in our attitude. Amen? Our activities. Have you ever seen a Christian that claims to be a Christian and you watched an activity they were involved in, and you think, something ain't right about that. Or an attitude. Amen? Even attire. Let me ask you something. If a young man's espoused to a young lady, is it possible during that engagement period that she can attire herself in a way that would portray her as being unfaithful to him? Exposing her body to the eyes of other men when it's supposed to be for his, her espoused only when she marries him. Amen? I'm saying there's a lot of ways you and I can portray faithfulness to Christ. But faithfulness requires decisions of conviction. Nehemiah stood on the wall. And when those that came and tried to get him to come down, he said, No, I'll not come down. I'll not leave the work. Nehemiah was a faithful man. We're not taking time to read all these because I want to get through them. You know the story. Nehemiah was faithful in doing the work that God had called him to do, had given him to do. He was faithful in staying by the stuff. He was faithful to his God. Amen? And God blessed him for it. But faithfulness, Nehemiah's faithfulness required diligence in the midst of conflict. Seven great enemies there in the book of Nehemiah to the building of the wall. Nehemiah was faithful in the midst of every conflict. Amen. If you and I are going to be faithful to him tonight whom we are espoused to, we're going to have to be diligent in the midst of conflict. Amen. When trouble comes, we don't turn tail and run. We don't run up the flag of surrender. We stand and fight. We refuse to give in to the enemy. Amen. Faithfulness. We're going to have to... Conflict's going to come... Trouble's gonna come. It comes from all different directions and all different shapes and sizes and forms, but every one of us are gonna have them. But if we're gonna remain faithful to Him, then we are have, we're gonna to have to be diligent in the midst of conflict. Amen? It's just that simple. This is just Christianity 101. And then finally, faithfulness requires a determination to continuance. Look in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul said, For to me to live is Christ. Amen? But to die is gain. He said though in Philippians 3.13, He said there, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many be, be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything be ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things." For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Paul said, listen, he said, In another place I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Listen, Paul had made up his mind. I'm going to be faithful to my Savior until I'm out of here. I'm going to be. I'm determined to continue until God takes me out of here. Faithfulness. Wouldn't it be a sad thing that if a young lady was espoused to a young man, and maybe their engagement period went on for a couple years, and the night before their wedding day. He was unfaithful to her. What do you think that would do to her? Break her heart. Amen. Maybe even destroy her. And if the shoe was on the other foot and she was unfaithful to him, what a sad thing, what a what a horrible thing to even think about. And it would be a sad thing for us to say, you know what, I'm going to be faithful to the Lord and get right down to the end. And allow something to deter us. Something to distract us. Something to turn our hearts away from our Savior. Well, oh, we're not going to lose our salvation. Why? Because of His faithfulness. But we got to remember, there is going to be a wedding pretty soon. We're going to meet the groom. Amen the lady sung the song, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It'll be worth it all. It'll be worth us being diligent in our devotion and our affection for our Savior when we see Him. It'll be worth it when we have had the character enough to say no to the temptations of this world and the flesh. It'll be worth it all when we stand upon the convictions that God has given us and don't surrender them. It'll be worth it all when we're diligent in the conflict, when you feel like throwing in the towel, when you feel... Let me ask you something. You that are saved, how many of you have ever felt like, you know what, I just don't know if it's worth it anymore. I think I'll just quit church. I don't know, maybe you hadn't decided to quit, but you thought about it. Anybody ever thought things like that? I'm glad he didn't quit. I'm glad he's faithful when we're unfaithful. But should that not, should that not stir our hearts to be even more faithful to him? He loves us. When we don't love Him like we should. You know, usually in a partnership, in a marriage, there's one partner that seems to do more loving than the other one. More serving. More giving. Isn't that true? It's just true. No doubt in this relationship that we have with our Savior, He's the lover. He's the giver. To be honest with you, he's the taker of the most abuse. Has the Lord ever done anything bad to you? No. Oh, how we need to realize, if you're saved tonight, you are a part, you are the bride of Christ. You are, And that doesn't have a thing to do with being a Baptist. You are the bride of Christ. You are espoused. To him and we ought to want to be faithful to him because we are going to marry him one day and spend eternity with him.